Hello and welcome to the F1 Rearview podcast. Back again for another episode. It's the Russian Grand Prix episode we're going to be talking about and reviewing the Russian Grand Prix Series 1, Episode 11. I'm joined today, as always, by the hosts with the most, as you could say, probably not, no, maybe not the most, I'd probably get better uh, if I did some looking around, but they'll do for now. It's Reese Keeble. Hello. 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 Nice Hello. microphone. Nice, Hello. yeah. Yes. Uh, and, of course, Ruth Buchanan. Hello. Uh, producer well, Ruth, producer as, Ruth. Sorry, as you used to be known. Um. Russian Grand Prix, guys. It's been. It's gone. We've had a race, as we like to say. Um, what do we think? First off, just a quick... Before we even talk about the race, I think we just need to give it a quick, quick, quick talk about. 8 out of 10, whatever. Just give us a rating. Reese. Um, I will give it uh, a 6. 6 out of 10. Ruth? I'll give it a 7. A 7 out of 10. I might give it a 6 out of 10 too. Reasons for which we, we'll come back to later. That's just a little little snippet as to what's to come because it was an interesting race but i mean it's got a lot to live up to with those past two races we've had in italy so we'll come back to exactly what we think about it but first there's been some events before the race that we need to have a little chat about there's been a few things that have been announced that we need to have a little chat about uh first of all and this is one i want to have a nice little discussion with you guys chase carey um the current ceo of formula one he's had a lovely little reign he came in when liberty media bought over he took over from bernie eccleston uh, and I think he's done a pretty good job. He's got a lovely moustache. Reese doesn't know who Chase Carey is. He knows who moustache man is, though. Um, has, unfortunately... He's unfortunately announced um, this week that he is going to be stepping down as the CEO of Formula 1 and becoming the non-executive chairman. Uh, and we will have a new Formula 1 CEO. And this is what I want to know your guys' opinion on. Uh, Stefano Dominicali, as he is known, uh, former Ferrari um, CEO... For, no, not... No, Lamborghini and some uh, other ferrari brand ceo he was the uh, ferrari team principal in formula one he's now going to be the formula one ceo he's walking away from lamborghini to come to formula one um from january 2021 he's gonna be running the new the formula one company guys what's your opinion on this what do you reckon another ferrari man in charge jean tot ross braun stefano domenicali they're adding up aren't they uh i think you know, it was I was less confused before you tried to just round it all up then. All I knew like Mustache Man was quitting and then that was it. That's that's all I knew. But yeah. you know. I feel like I'm the wrong guy to ask. Okay. I just like to see cars go around a track. Ruth, in that case, what do you think of Stefano coming in? It'd be good. Like based on previous takeovers, it's not really got any worse. Yeah. From the other Ferrari principles, but I don't know. I think he could be good. We just have to see from January whether he improves it in any way. I think having previous knowledge definitely helps the CEOs. Mm. Yeah. Are you guys at all worried or concerned that there are this many kind of Ferrari ex-team principals now in charge? Ross Braun obviously is now the like racing director of Formula One or something like that. Uh, Jean Tart, obviously the CEO of um, the FIA. He's the leader of the FIA. And now Stefano de Michali will be the F1 CEO. Do you think that that is a problem or do you think that's just kind of natural to be expected from Ferrari, who are obviously such a massive brand in Formula One, to for those people to then, once they leave that team, to go on to be bigger names in Formula One? Do you think that's natural or do you think there's some kind of stuff in the background there? I mean, there's people saying that Ferrari are literally planting them there so that they can, you know, swindle yeah. some rules, if you will. However, once you get given a job like that, 
in such like it's such a high power in the sport. Mm. You just gotta call things down the middle, don't you? Realistically, or else you are. You, once you get found out, that's it. Your name, yeah. your name's muck. So. Well, um, Sky Sports did quite an interesting interview on this where they, they talked to the drivers and team principals about it. Uh, and from what, what basically a lot of people said is that Stefano is actually one of the most like respected men in the paddock. He's a really nice guy. He's one of the only people in the paddock that has no enemies. Everyone likes him. Uh, and I mean, this is what Christian Horner said. And Christian Horner was like, I think he's a perfect person to represent Formula One in that kind of way. So from what team principals are saying, you think that it's kind of actually a really good appointment and he loves the sport and that's why he's being the CEO because he wants to make it kind of the pinnacle that it could be of motorsport and obviously previously has been yeah I think you have to look at it that he was Ferrari but now he's not anymore he's it's not that he's for any team in any type of way I mean he's for the sport which is why it's natural for him to progress to CEO yeah well, it's like when you see the pundits as well. They're for the sport now. They're not like, you know, you can compare them to football pundits and stuff. Like, yeah, they kind of like to lean slightly towards the team that they used to drive for, essentially. Mm. But you, you don't see any, like, Jensen's not biased towards McLaren and stuff like that. You know yeah. what I mean? He's just yeah. like, that was good, that was bad. Here's a race. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think... To be honest, personally, I am actually excited. I think that he's going to be a really good person to bring into that CEO position. I think Chase Carey, credit to him, he's been really good for the past few seasons. But at the end of the day, he's a businessman, not a Formula One knowledgeable person. He hadn't had Formula One experience before becoming the CEO. And I think that kind of non-executive chairman role will suit him really well as a businessman. But I think putting Stefano in charge of that team, he's got business knowledge now from being at Lamborghini. A lot of racing knowledge from years in the sport and a love for the sport. I think he's just going to want to be able to take, obviously, the new regulations and the cost cap and everything that Chase has dreamed up and turn that into something magical. That's what I think he'll do. Uh, right then, let's have a quick chat now then about qualifying. Then Let's actually get on to the race. We've, we've talked about Stefano enough there, I think. Let's have a chat about the race, uh, about qualifying before we even get on to the race because... And you, we, we sometimes we talk about qualifying. Sometimes we try to skip over it. Sometimes qualifying can be a bit dull to kind of review because at the end of the day, it just lines up what then happens in the race. But I think this qualifying session, specifically Q two, was one of the most exciting qualifyings we've had for a while. Would you be? Would you agree with that? Yes. Let's have a chat about what happened in that then. So I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone that's watching this has seen it. If you haven't, go watch the race before you watch this. Otherwise, it really won't make any sense to you. Um, in Q2, Hamilton had uh, a good lap put in. He was like a second faster than Bottas at that point. But that lap was then taken away from him for exceeding track limits. I'm not sure if it was... It was track limits on turn 18, I think, wasn't it? Coming around the last corner, he just went over that curb too much coming across the line. And... Uh, what he you, said it was 18. It's 18. 18. Okay, yeah, the donkey says 18. Lovely. Um, <laughs> audio listeners are going to be very confused. Um, <laughs> Um, Reese has got a donkey friend for people yeah (laughs) for audio listeners Reese has got a donkey friend Um, but yeah Hamilton had his lap time deleted and the team decided that it would be make more sense for him to come and put a new set of tyres which Hamilton didn't want to do there was a bit of a weird thing going on there Um, and then out of nowhere Seb Vettel bless his little cotton socks uh, just decided he was he was bored of, of, of driving the Ferrari and uh, just wanted to put it in the wall, uh, bin the car, brought out the red flag and also started picking up the debris. Lovely of him. 
I feel like, I mean, if I was Vettel, I'd be driving and I'd be like, let's be honest, boys, we're not going to get out of uh, Q2 anyways. Let's make this interesting. Yeah, let's like, spice I think things up. Just sat there watching the clock being like, do you reckon Lewis, like, like in his head, just being like, do you reckon Lewis can get round in two minutes and 15 <laughs> seconds? <laughs> let's find out um well yeah that is ultimately what happened he bent the car red flags came out and lewis is put in in a pretty tough position he had to get his racing boots on because he didn't have a lap time and there was only two minutes and 15 seconds left of the session for him to get round and start a lap so he would he was literally gonna have to be pedal to the metal he had you know not much time to spare he also then well, got yeah. in the queue of traffic to come out, had ice-cold tyres, got held up at the pit lane exit. It was not easy for him to get round. He was the last car to get round, I think, in the end, wasn't he? Well, it's, it's worth saying as well for this that... Um, I can't tell if I froze. It's not- worth saying as well for this that um, qualifying time was... It wasn't like your one-minute fast qualifying. It was like it was one pretty, minute thirty sort of thing. It was a tricky, like, yeah. Yeah, it was tricky. Two minutes to go. You, you don't want to, obviously, be going flat out on your outlap. You want to try and keep your tyres warm. But he, he had to go a lot faster than he realistically wanted to on the outlap. And yeah. then there was a bit of, bit of Tom Dickery going on in the in the old pit lane with, uh, I think it was Kvyat, trying to hold him up a bit, which yeah. I, we, we all said that we quite liked. Well, so. I, I don't know why... We, well, they said on the commentary, and I agreed, I don't know why more cars didn't try and hold him up because realistically, if you knock a you know the bloke that's going to probably win the race out of Q2, it gives everyone else... a pretty good chance to just jump up a couple points, isn't it? I don't understand why you wouldn't try and just kind of slow him down a little bit more, be a bit cheeky on it, like Kvyat did. Um, but in the end, he did make it to the line with 1.25 seconds to spare. He didn't. He cut it very close. He slowed down right before the line as well, and uh, there was that great bit of radio of Bono going, go now, go now, go now! Like, really worried that he wasn't going to make it, but ultimately, he did just get across the line. And I think that could be testament to him and his skills as a driver that he knows how long it's going to take him to get there and what he can do to get there. The replays don't do, do it justice on how close it was because mm. like, you're watching the replays and then you see him go across the line and then like, well, like once, uh, one second and 1.25 seconds later, yeah. the lights got turned red. Yeah. But it seems like such a long time when you're watching it on the replay when realistically, yeah. you know, it's took me, like it takes you more than one second to say at yeah you know yeah <laughs> especially when it's in slow motion yeah it doesn't help <laughs> really elongates it um but it I think made it's worth saying oh, as well like really quickly just going back to the point where um vettel had crashed yeah I, it was after he was doing an interview and he'd obviously banged his head so hard when he had that crash and he had such a bad cauliflower ear <laughs> and it was the only thing i noticed is After that point, folded in on itself. Like all credit to F one drivers who have crashes like that and then still get back in the car and race <laughs> because his ear looked so sore. Well, it's like me and you looked at each other like when he came out for his interview, and we were like, "What? Like, is that from the crash? Like, it looked yeah. like he'd just been playing rugby sort of thing." Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it was a nasty one. Uh, but ultimately, like we said, Hamilton did make it into Q3 and did eventually put it on pole position. And uh, that was it for qualifying, really. I don't, that, was, that was a very exciting bit of qualifying, and I feel like there was a bit of hope for us kind of Hamilton don't win us 
I don't want to call it anything else. The the people that don't want Hamilton to win everything. I think for us, there was a little bit of hope there that that's, that it could be a good race and we could see a good fire at the front. Uh, but that was kind of put on hold, wasn't it? And it, he did make it through and he got pole position and, and did it very well, to be honest. He put in a stellar lap time. Um, but then, unless anyone else has anything to say about qualifying, I think we could go on to the race. No. no? Do you want to briefly talk um, that F2 crash? Yeah, um, I suppose we could. So that was just before the race. Like, obviously, we don't really watch F two as lot. Yeah, however, that crash came up on everyone's timeline. Yeah, thankfully everyone was okay. But geez, what a crash! It was a it was a, a big old accident. It was Jack Aitken and uh, uh, who was the other driver? I want to say a Lacey, but I don't think it was a Lacey. Uh, anyway, Jack Aitken and another driver um, had a big incident in F2. Obviously, we don't talk about F2 too much. It's the Sister Series 2F1, or the, not the Sister, the Feeder Series. Um, there was a big crash going round turn three, that massive one, turn three. I'm going to say it's turn three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going round turn three, one car on the outside, one car on the inside, didn't quite give enough room, contact. They both just went flying into the barriers. Huge fire on uh, one of the cars. Big accident. It was... Um... Jack Aitken and Luca Giotto. Giotto, that's I knew it was an Italian driver. Yeah, um, big crash, um, and it, well, just as well everyone was okay. I think the reason why I wanted to mention it is one because if you haven't seen it, go see it because that yeah. is one of the biggest crashes I've seen in a while. Yeah, like where the carry, like the barriers don't stop the cars essentially. The barrier, the, the cars go under the barriers, which yeah. is a bit like you know. Uh, and two, I was a little bit worried after seeing that in the morning that either. A, the F one's going to get red flagged because of something similar, mm. or B, which would mean three red flags in a like in a week, <laughs> uh, in in a in a row. Sorry, yeah. in a week, uh, or B that they couldn't get that barrier fixed in time, and there'd be a, a delay on the start of the F one race. Well, Vettel but works. Vettel's one of the stewards now after picking up his debris in in in, in qualifying uh, yesterday. So yeah, he yeah, actually yeah. was helping them, I think, like rebuild the barrier. That's how they could do it. So that makes sense. yeah, 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 yeah. He was, yeah. He, Vettel came out with his yellow, his orange jacket on, and and, and helped out <laughs> with his high vision. I think he was just after... waving a pink flag. <laughs> that crash as well. You can tell like the changes they made after science crashed there in. 2016 I think it was they changed the barriers after he had that huge crash yeah. and definitely I think that helped that crash so much because if it was the same as it was then something much worse probably would have happened yeah science's crash was at another corner but I think for barriers around the whole circuit obviously science had to go rush to hospital in the ambulance after that crash in 2016 so I think they probably have upped the the old barriers around that circuit to ensure that, that nothing that serious could happen again um but yeah, that's F two. Everyone was all right, and and and, and they got away with it. Uh, just about managed to come out wanna, nice and safe. If you want to see the video, uh, I'll have tweeted it from the F one reviews Twitter. Yeah. So go look at the Twitter at the F one review is our Twitter handle. Yeah. Go look at the Twitter. I'll have retweeted it from F two. It is it is something to really check out because it, it was a bit of a like a well, but watch it knowing that everyone's okay. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Just watch it, knowing that no one, no, no fatalities. No one got hurt. I don't think there was even like a slight injury. To be fair, I think they both no, they walked both, away very they both nicely. Up and just walked, yeah. Which again, testament to the safety of the sport. There was a great clip at the end of that uh, bit as well. Dan Tictum, um, who was behind the incident, saying on the radio, "I'm, I'm just really glad everyone was okay because that looked like a really nasty, nasty, uh, mm-hmm. nasty shunt." Uh, anyway, the Formula One race. Let's get onto that now. Um, 
it was a big thing before the race even began. We had a few little things coming out. Um, Albon, who had a pretty bad qualifying, he only managed to get P10, just get into Q3 by the skin of his teeth. Um, the Rebel obviously decided that P10 and P15 are pretty much the same position for them. So he took a five-place grid penalty, went down to P15, uh, which gave him a little bit more of a, a trying race. I think it's fair to say he had, he had to push pretty hard in that race to get some points, which I don't know if he did. Did he get points in the end? I can't remember he quite where he P10. finished. P10, he just got a point, yeah. Um, and uh, he had a gearbox change and so did Latifi have a gearbox change as well but I mean that was from P19 to P20 and uh, well I think, I think, I think for Williams that's, uh, that's, a, that's, that's fair enough I think uh, it's worth saying as well that? with Albon's uh, penalty it meant that Leclerc actually went up to P10 so even though he didn't qualify um, for Q3 he still had free tyre choice throughout the race yeah which is always a nice little thing to start. I'm just going to acknowledge my whole... I've got a bloody water cooler behind me. Um, it's just a nice bottle pound, Poundland. Not sponsored. Just in case anyone wants to know why I keep whacking out a huge uh, water bowl. Um, but yeah, that did make it things interesting for Albon's race. And I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about Albon a little bit later on. Um, we, because he we, had... We should on. also say, sorry, before we move on, because mm-hmm. um, I am looking at the notes this week, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Before um, before the race, um, Hamilton had his a little illegal start thing hanging over his head um, yeah. for the penalties. I can see I can see it later on down, but we should say that that was kind of dangling over Hamilton's head. On what will he get penalised for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Well, let's talk about that now then. So that was something that came in probably the biggest part of the race. I think to be fair, that was the most exciting part. Whilst they were lining up on the grid, Crofty pops in saying, "Oh, there's an investigation against." Hamilton here um they were looking at him doing an illegal practice start and we were let, let's just get straight onto that then we'll have a good chat about this first this illegal practice start seems like it's been the it's been the the spark of debate all weekend really hasn't it um was Lewis in a in a bad place there I just want a yes or no from you guys yes or no do you think that was an illegal position to do well obviously it was illegal do you think it was a unsafe position say yes because the corner's blind at that point, you can't see them, which is what the biggest issue is. Yeah. Uh, because because Rick said yes, I'm also going to say yes because I'm scared of her. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it... Whilst, I mean, I can see kind of why they said he could stop there because it was... I don't know. I don't actually know why. It, uh, there's a lot of problems around it. And... Um, in my opinion, I think it was. It's weird, right? Because, in my opinion, like I've got two opinions on this. So, in both my opinions, yeah. So one of them is he was far enough down the pit lane that the cars were coming out and going, not nowhere near him, but going far enough away that there was no immediate danger. But well, then, on the flip side of the coin, it's. Jesus Christ, you've stopped at the end of the pit lane in the fast lane. Yeah. So I think, like, what are you doing? Technically, what Perez had to do when he was coming around that corner, Perez will struggle with one of the racing points, they had to cross the pit exit line, which is the white line that's painted down the, on the track, and they aren't meant to cross that. He had to, right. though, because Hamilton was there. So, yes, he could. they could safely move out the way. Technically, they shouldn't have, though. They should have gone to the end of that white-painted line before they then move over into the track. Um which is mainly only there for race conditions so you don't pull out of the pit lane in front of another car 
you kind of more come on and, and merge. But obviously, it wasn't under race conditions. It was just kind of going out to the grid. So the, I don't know. That's why I think it's been so hotly debated. But obviously, eventually, the I- stewards made the decision. Sorry, Ruth, go on. Uh, Michael Massey said after, we have the stewards as an independent judiciary to adjudicate those and therefore there was an infringement. It doesn't matter if it was Lewis Hamilton or any one of the other 19 drivers. If a breach has occurred of the regulations, they will consider it. Yeah. And I think that is a key point. I think that's important. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, I think it it is a key point and it's important to remember because... um, Every track has a kind of designated practice start zone. Almost always, apart from a few exceptions like Austria, that start zone is to the right of the end of the pit lane after the pit lights, to the right where there is still a bit of slow lane. You can pull into that place, and once it's clear, you can do a practice start into the fast lane. Um, Austria, that isn't the case because of the way the pit lane goes up. You have to do that on the starting grid. There's a few other like slight variations to that rule, but pretty much every circuit they go to, and Russia is a circuit they go to regularly, um, and he has done sessions there all weekend in practice, etc. He should know whether that is. He should know where that start position is. So it's it's very weird for him to breach that. I think the thing. I think the thing. The thing. I think the thing that bugged me the most was that in that statement that Ruth just read out, they had to specify it doesn't matter if it was Hamilton or the 19 other drivers. This is it. Yeah. Because Hamilton reacted like such a, a bleep, an explicit, such a such a baby. Such, such a baby. He was, throwing a tantrum. he was throwing a tantrum. He really peed me off, like to the point where I was like, get him off my screen now. I don't even mm. want to see him anymore. Like saying that it's a big conspiracy theory and stuff. Like you got the penalty. Like, yes, you could see that like if it's a bit unfair, just get your head back down and carry on racing yeah. sort of thing. You know, yeah. like, you're still in a race. You're still driving a car at over 200 mile an hour around the track. Mm. Stop focusing on, oh, no, we lost two seconds. It's so unfair. Uh, two seconds, 10 seconds. It's so unfair. Like, yeah, I get you feel hard done by. Go talk to Bono and all them about it afterwards. Don't complain on the radio. Spit your dummy out. Refuse to come in for a pit stop. You know? Yeah. Well, this was the weird bit about this penalty is that he served it as well no he was originally given it as two separate five second penalties for the same incident uh and i'm not exactly sure why still i don't know, quite understand what that was for i don't oh. know if anyone's got more information on that i believe I, it's because i, I the... read it somewhere oh go on you're, you're smart sorry i believe that it was either because there was two cars behind him at the point that had to go around him or because he had broken two separate rules it was At two separate time. rules, and the rules were that he stopped in the fast lane of the pit. Right. So that was one of the rules that he broke, and the second one was that he did a a, a start outside um, of the designated position, the designated area. So yeah, it was two right. separate ones. Look at Reese looking smart in the podcast for one. Yeah. It was two separate ones. One of them stopping in the fast lane of the pits. Second one in the um, not doing it in the designated area. Because this is the weird thing for me. I've never seen that happen before. I've never seen a driver be given two kind of separate penalties for the same incident per se um even if there is like more than one rule broken so normally they will just kind of clump it into one um and they'll just say for the incident that took place at this corner this is the penalty kind of thing um but then he ended up serving it as just a 10 second penalty would be not as two separate five second penalties so it was a bit of a weird one i think for a lot of people to kind of be like "Uh uh-huh what does that mean I think we put it out as two separate penalties just to be like, look, 
were well aware that he's done two things wrong here. Yeah. And then just been like, well, I know we've given you them separate, but you can serve them at the same time. Yeah. Like, just, just to make the other teams aware, like, look, we know he's done two things wrong. Don't panic. Don't be mm. getting at us and being like, oh, he did this as well on this corner. You know, like, yeah. Solid. I think solid they're squish. allowed to serve the penalties together as well because um, if, even though it's two separate penalties, technically he served two. It was just in the same pit star. What, he served five seconds and then served five seconds kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. See, this is what we were debating though during the race because you said, Tom, that you could only serve one penalty at once and because they awarded it as two separate penalties, yeah, we I were didn't... having the discussion of can they do that at the same time. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if they were allowed to, and I didn't know if they could serve them both yeah. in the same kind of pet stop. But that's been cleared up now. Yeah, obviously they can. Um, maybe if they get two drive through penalties, they can serve in the same one as well. Who knows? Um, <laughs> just do a lap. We need, to, <laughs> we need to do a little rewind now, don't we? Yeah, so that all happened in about lap six or seven or whenever it was. Um, let's go back to lap one, because... Aside from that, I think lap one was the other most exciting lap of the race. And often, I mean, in modern Formula One, that is obviously excluding the previous two uh, Italian races. Um, I'm going to go to you for this one, though, Reese. Uh, we kind of had, we continued the Russian tradition, I think, as it is at this point, of that safety car on lap one for because of an incident. Uh, in previous seasons, it's been an incident that's been two cars coming together. This season, it was a, a bit of a weird one, Reese. As a McLaren fan, let's have a chat about this. Uh, it looked like Carlos just drove into the wall, didn't it? Can you can you excuse him? What happened there? Uh, I'd like to take the Fifth Amendment. <laughs> and, uh, not. Um, it's silly. Uh, I mean, misjudgment. But when, like, so the issue that I've got is that you never really see F1 drivers make silly mistakes mm. ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You sat there watching it and you're like, Jesus Christ, they're just doing perfection every lap. Like even the Williams sort of thing. Like you don't really see. Apart from like a little bit of like a lockup or something. Yeah. This was since I've been watching so like a couple of years. Like I, I am new to the sport. Like um, that's the most stupidest mistake I think I've ever seen anyone make. Mm. Sort of thing. Like he just didn't slow down enough, and then I, I, I think the the wall crept out on him. I don't know. Like he just didn't budge it well, and then there goes a McLaren out of the race, and he didn't just hinder himself by taking himself out of the race. He hindered Lando Norris by making him slam on his brakes so that he didn't just T-bone Carlos Sainz as he was yeah. coming across the track. Didn't like, go over the debris it, full speed. It, it, it was just... It, well, like Once that happened, I was just like, yep, brilliant sort of thing. Like Don't get me wrong, it was good to watch Lando come back through the pack, but something like that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me, what happened, it looked to me as if he kind of gone off the track and was headed for the bollards. He kind of he was like, right, you should go back through those bollards and I can come back on. So he's looking to the right, kind of in his mirror at the track, working out kind of who's there, how can he safely come back onto the circuit? And then because he wasn't looking forwards, he thought the bollards were clear missed. and then yeah. just smacked it into the wall. It's what I kind of saw. Either way, it's a bit of a, it's a very I mean, strange one. It's it's a silly mistake. However, you know, like I'm not going to get at him for it. Sort of thing. He's a, he's a class driver. It's just something that you don't expect to see from a Carlos Sainz. If Vettel did that, we'd all be pissing ourselves laughing. 
Well, maybe that's if it. If did that, we'd all be piecing ourselves laughing. Yeah, maybe that's it. Like I said to you uh, during the race, I, th- I think he's just getting his practice in for when he goes to Ferrari. <laughs> he needs to be able to make some stupid mistakes at Ferrari. He needs to get his practice in. Um, that was kind of the big incident. I think that is what ultimately brought out the safety car, but there was another car strewn, strewn across the track, um, and that was something that happened a little more controversially as it was. Um, there was a first lap accident that occurred two corners after car losses. Uh, on turn four so after they'd gone down that big turn three kind of corner into the next big main corner uh, Leclerc and Stroll were kind of coming side by side into the corner and as Martin who wasn't there this weekend loves to say two into one doesn't go uh, and unfortunately Leclerc hit the back of Stroll and spun him into the wall and and ultimately ended his race quite controversially sorry I was going to say do we have to pay Martin every time that you quote him because if we do, he's raking the money in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, five every time. Every time every time you say two into one and what DRS is and stuff, that, yeah. that's it. He's, he's, no wonder he got the week off. <laughs> he's minted. Yeah, uh, but Stroll wasn't very happy about that crash. Uh, Ruth, do you have, what did he exactly say there? He definitely wasn't very happy. He said, I'm quite surprised he didn't get a penalty. I gave him plenty of room. I did the whole corner on the outside and he just tagged my rear right. Mm. I gave him all the room I could and it was unlucky, but he could have just avoided it. He didn't have to run so wide into me. I think it's ridiculous he didn't get a penalty. Because I think the stewards did look at it, but then decided there was... It was a weird one. I feel like the stewards definitely kind of skipped over that and didn't look at it as much and they were probably more focused on Hamilton still at that point, working out what they were doing for him. It was a weird one that I feel like that crash wasn't even mentioned much during the race for for the remainder of it either. I think it was kind of just brushed into the carpet. Do you know what I mean? I didn't notice it happening. (laughs) I feel like it's, like Stroll said, it was unlucky, but at the end of the day, it is just racing. That type of stuff just happens. It just happened that he'd got a puncture and his tyre flew out. Yeah, Which is why he crashed. Yeah. So. Well, Let's just quickly put it to you guys then. Do you think that Leclerc should have been penalised for that? No, I say race an incident. Mm. I feel like at that point, Stroll was already out. You know, the race was still happening. Leclerc wasn't really doing that well. He didn't gain an advantage from it. He didn't, you know, he had, he didn't get anything from Stroll going out. So there's no point to penalise him. Yeah. Another, another thing as well is that it was the first lap and the first lap is always into one doesn't go type of thing like the, the first lap is always people making them moves and trying to jostle for position sort of thing yeah. so you're always going to have more racing incidents on the first lap than you are going to on the 30th and yeah. that's why then, then people who were doing the side-by-side comparisons of oh look this is Leclerc on the stroll and then look at Hamilton on Alex here like sort of thing like that doesn't have any like like it, it's nowhere near the same it's not in the same situation it's hardly the same corner sort of thing I yeah. feel like it's so hard that. to like judge it when you don't actually a hundred percent know the rule either, like of why they sometimes penalise it and why they don't. I feel like if there was a clearer rule, then there would be less confusion of, oh, Alex and Hamilton was penalised, but Stroll and Leclerc wasn't, and yeah, so many other examples. Well, that is the example that it's been kind of put against. Is that kind of. Uh, uh, well, the opening race in Austria, obviously, when Albon was on for the podium, Hamilton took the wide line, Alex was on the outside and he spun him out. Hamilton was penalised for that. 
So can you draw a comparison between those two? I don't know. That's the thing. So that's what people are arguing. Should there be more kind of transparency in the rules that more this got penalised? Consistency, sorry. Yeah, this got penalised. Should this be penalised? And well, you, it's also I the think... argument that they're different stewards at each race, like you say. Each race has its own unique jurisdiction, or not jurisdiction, uh, judiciary. Thank you. Each <laughs> different race has its own one of them. Um, each each race has its own judiciary. Uh, as I Ruth feel said like at the start. going back to what um, Massey said about the Hamilton incident as well. He said it it doesn't matter if it was Hamilton or any one of the other nineteen drivers. Yeah. If a breach has occurred of the regulations, they'll consider it, but. Mm. Um, I feel like there should just be more clear-cut rules and then there wouldn't be this confusion of, oh, are you being biased against a driver? Well, but it's hard to, it's, that's hard to say, though, really, isn't it? Is it a but case you... of, of getting the same set of uh, stewards to every race to to officiate it, not having different stewards at each race? I think the reason the reason why I feel... Sorry, were you... No, I, carry on. I can't hear out. I was going to say the reason why... Um... I feel like it was different is like I said, just on the first lap, there's a lot more racing incidents, if you will, because the cars are all together and all grouped sort of thing. Mm. So there's going to be a little bit more argy bargy, a little bit more touching and stuff. And um, we didn't see anyone. We didn't see um, when Carlos fan, we didn't see any like last week or the week before or whenever it, whenever that was, we didn't see any, you know, like penalties for that coming out because that was a first lap and that was a little bit of an argy bargy and then, yeah, you know, a couple of spinnies. True. Like, so I feel like on the first lap, it's hard to be like, that's unfair, penalised because mm. there's that many cars around you that you're just trying to stick to your own little bubble. Everything's whereas kind of unique to its own Ham- situation. Yeah. Mm. Whereas like the Hamilton one sort of thing, you know, it was literally just them two racing and that, that's that's my personal opinion on it on why you can't compare them if you yeah. Right, well, that, I think that's a very good kind of point of view on it. I think it, it, there's a lot of discussion that could go into that specific crash, that specific corner, and it it, it does depend, obviously, on the track and the stewards that are there. Um, but we'll leave it at that for now because back for, back by unpopular demand, no one wanted it back, but it's, it's come back somehow. I don't know. We snuck it into the script. It's time for Keeble's Corner. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Keeble's Corner. Turn two is this week's Keeble Corner. Turn two. It was it was it was the highlight of the weekend, I think, wasn't it, for a lot of people? It was very good. Um, penalties galore. That's all we can say, isn't it? There, the stewards mm-hmm. and 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 everyone, the race director, were looking at that corner as as a big old cutter. They didn't want people cutting that corner this weekend. They were literally there. They were like, "Wait, what was that? Hold on." He went fast. He set a good. He set a good time. Oh, but was his wheel this far over? It was deleted. <laughs> that was literally the whole of the, the the whole of qualifying. Yeah, I felt like in qualifying, every like five minutes, Croft is popping up with, "Oh, another time has been deleted. Another time has been deleted." Yeah. Um, and I mean, even in the race, it was pretty uh, eventful. Obviously, Science had his crash there. Sorry, I don't mean to keep bringing it up, Reese. I'm sorry. Um, Grosjean, Grosjean had a very weird little little skills bowling adventure on that corner he took out all the uh all the polystyrene boards which then brought out a virtual safety car to refit them that was a bit of a weird few laps um yeah it, it was just a very weird few set of corners i think there wasn't it, it well set up corner i think is it one corner it's one corner it's turn two that weird chicane thing yeah 
it's it's one corner. It, it leads into the second, uh, into the third corner. The big old the curvy old, boy. The old horseshoe I, boy. I think it just depends on some some track maps. See that as turn two, turn three, turn four, turn five. Some people see it as turn two, three, four. So. Well, I'm only going off what's in this thing, <laughs> and you know. I think the official F1 map marks it as just one corner, but other maps mark it as differently. Um, Ricardo also had a little bit of an issue there. He got a five-second penalty in the race for running wide there in a weird thing where Ocon was letting him pass to go and attack Vettel, and then he was passing Ocon locked up and, and couldn't quite make it around the corner. And it was a very bizarre kind of thing. He actually got on, on the ra- Do you have the radio, Ruth? What did he say when he learned about that five-second penalty? He said, I'll just go faster then. To hear that from Ricardo compared to Hamilton hearing what... Hamilton's radio when when Bono told him he had the penalty. Hamilton said, "Where's that in the rule book?" Ricardo was just straight on it. He was like, "Right, I'm I'm nailing it then. I don't care if I've got the penalty. I'll go faster. I'll make up the time." And to be fair to him, I think Ricardo had a, a he had a pretty good weekend. He was pushing all weekend. He was trying to get rid of the kind of status this circuit has got for him as this kind of bogey circuit that he never does well at. And uh, he did an all right job, I think. He 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 wasn't too bad. The last three weeks, that Renault's been looking really good. As, as much as it pains me to say, that car is looking good. And if I was Ricardo, I'd be, you know, looking alongside Mr. the McLarens and thinking, have I made the right choice? Well, you know, like, yeah. did I jump? Did I jump? Have I done all this hard work just to jump ship too soon? Yeah, should he have stuck around for another myself. season? But, yeah, I think. Um, well, I, actually, Renault put out a really good little post that I hadn't quite realised that they're on 99 championship points now as a, as a constructor after 10 rounds, which is more than they have scored um, last than more than they scored last season after 21 rounds. So wow. in 10 rounds this season, they've done what they did more than what they did last season in the whole season. So I mean, you can't you can't deny that there is great kind of advancements to that Renault team. And I think the uh, the only kind of other big thing that happened in the race, because ultimately, apart from the big few things we've talked about so far, it was a little bit of a boring race. Was there was a lovely bit of racing between kind of the three the three uh, young lads, as they're known. Kind of they they swapped the digital racetrack for the physical one. It was Albon, Russell, and Lando, good friends. They stream online together all the time, obviously with Charles and Max and things as well. But they had a great little tussle at the back of those fi- of the field. The three of them three British lads, they all came up through karting together. Uh, it was a delight to say, to be honest, wasn't it? It was a great little bit of racing from the three of them. The only thing I had to say about that was that it was a shame it was for 20th, 19th and 18th. Yeah. It would have been a lot better to watch it for first, second, third, which I, which no doubt we'll be doing about 10 years from now. We'll be watching that for first, oh, yeah. second, third. But I, I just thought it was, they, they were racing so tightly together but I don't think at any point they, they were worried that they might hit one another. They were very, very kind of consistent in how they were going around each other in things and they were making very clean moves. And I think that is just testament to them. The three of them, they just know each other. They know how each other race. They can read each other quite well, obviously from just growing up together in carts. Right then, well, I think more or less then, that is pretty much it for this for this race. Uh, it was, as I say, compared to the last couple of races, very kind of uneventful there was there was nowhere near as much drama and red flags as we've seen in the past few races i think the probably the blow with the red flag must have been pretty down at this race he didn't get to do his job <laughs> he stood there waving it to himself. <laughs> it's gonna be a good one i'm feeling it it's gonna be a good one 
But no, he didn't get away with it. He didn't get it. Um, but Russian Grand Prix, it's it's notorious for being not one of the greatest Grand Prix on the calendar. I don't think it's ever been considered that. Um, and obviously, Bottas won it. Bottas had a, he had an all right, he had a decent race. To be fair to him, Bottas loves the circuit. He's he's always done round, done well around Russia, and I think it was his race to take. To be honest, as soon as Hamilton's penalties got got mentioned, I think it was it was his for for him to to take off them. Next race, however, is one that should be very exciting as we are going back to the Nurburgring. Oof, it's been a while since I wanted to say that. Uh, the Eiffel Grand Prix, as it will be called, not because of the Eiffel Tower, don't get confused, because of the Eiffel region of Germany, obviously. Um, so let's get our predictions in, guys. Let's hear what you think for the for the Nürburgring. We haven't seen cars there for a, for a good few years. We haven't seen the new spec, the 2017 spec and on cars there ever. What's going to happen there? What's going to happen at the Nürburgring? Ruth, let's hear your quality predictions first. I feel like it's going to be just an, a bit of a boring race because Lewis will want to make up for it. So it's just going to be Lewis, Bottas, Verstappen, and the same in the race. Oh, so you know, it's, you know, Ruth isn't looking forward to the race when she puts Lewis in the top three. I feel, <laughs> I feel like you're known now for just throwing Lewis out, but you, you just think it's going to be boring. Yeah. Reese, what do you reckon? Um. Well, I. T- from a uh, from a sports perspective, nice good English. Um, yeah. Just keep keep that in. That's fine. Oh yeah. Um, I reckon that um, Max is good in the cold and he's good in the wet. So I reckon Max. I want to say Max Lewis Valtteri. You want to put the red ball for the victory? You think he could pull it off? I don't think. I I think for qualifying it'll go Hamilton. Bottas, right. Max. But you think, but Max I think in the race, I think strategy and just pure driving in the rain slash cold, the experience of how good he is at doing that. Yeah. And I think I think Ricardo will get top five as well. Just I, I'm not like obviously you said top three, but I think <laughs> Ricardo will end up in the top five. Yeah. Um, for me, I I kind of I don't know. I think it's very much up in the air. We haven't been there for a while. We haven't seen the drivers there in a while. A lot of the drivers don't even know the circuit. So it'll be very interesting to see that. It's a new circuit for for the majority of the grid. Uh, but I think Ruth's kind of right. I think Hamilton will boss it. He he has been there before. He does know that circuit in terms of, of driving it before. And that Mercedes, I don't think is going to be stopped much this season. So I think Quali is going to be on top. And I think Race is going to be on top. I think in the race, Hamilton, uh, Verstappen is going to split the Mercedes again. I think Verstappen's going to have another great race. Like you said, he loves the wet, he loves the cold, and that's what it's looking like it might be this weekend or next weekend even. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Max might split the Mercedes again. It's it's what he's been doing for most of the season. It's what he's kind of good at doing now is splitting those Mercedes cars, making up for the mistakes they're getting and getting that second place. So I think Verstappen's second in the race and I think Bottas third. Uh, but for quality, I think as well, it's just going to be Mercedes front row with with Verstappen, Verstappen third again. I can't see much change in there, but uh, I think it will be a good race. Hopefully, it won't be boring. But I mean, touch wood. We'll see what happens. Um, anyway, I think that just about rounds us up for episode eleven of the F1 Review podcast for the Russian Grand Prix. Uh, I think is that everything. Anyone else want to add anything before yes. we finish? 
that's, that's all for Reese. That's it all. So uh, in that case, I'll leave it there then. I have been Tom. I've been Reese. Been Ray. And we'll see you next time. The F1 Review Podcast. Thank you.